Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the In God She Trust podcast, or welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast with your host, Kitri. And I'm super stoked that you're here as always. I hope you guys had a great week. Yeah, I really hope that you've been having a good week. And last week on the podcast, we talked about Romans 4. And this week we're going into Romans 5. But before I do that, if you would ever be so kind to like, subscribe, and share. And if any time this, you know, episode sticks out to you or speaks to you and you think of somebody that you want to send it to, go ahead and send it to them because we're trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. And we are trying to make warriors for Christ Jesus. (sighs) It's going to be a good time, y'all. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, uh, if you want to uh, donate to the ministry, we've got a cat. You can, you know, we've got Cash App, and it's in God She Trust Ministries. And so, you are, if you want to do that, there's that as well. You can find us on Facebook. The Facebook group is in God She Trusts. It's a group. And then, obviously, on Instagram, we have in.god.she.trust is, like, the handle, but it's in God She Trusts. Um, and you can, you know, you can find us there, and you can follow us there, and, you know, all the all the things, and it's going to be great. <sighs> I'm kind of hyper today. I've got a lot of energy. It's a good day. It's a good day. Um, so, anyways, last week, we were, um, you know, talking about Romans 4 and... Now we're going into Romans 5, and we're going to kind of see a tonal shift happening here in Romans 5. So we're going to, we're going to read it once again out of the NLT version. So we're just going to hop right in today. We're wasting no time. All right, so Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. 
When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace that is his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of, the one, of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we were guilty, we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans just keeps getting better and better. Like, y'all, that slaps. Like, that is some good Bible. That is some good scripture. Woof. Okay. I have chills on my arms right now. Absolute chills on my arms. I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can feel it. So, I can feel him, excuse me. All right, so, the first four chapters of Romans was kind of a hard pill to swallow. It was pretty much Paul saying, like, you can't ever do enough to get in right standing with God on your own merit. The law can't save you. Your own works can't save you. You're only justified and made right with God through Christ Jesus' blood and faith. Circumcises doesn't do it. Being a Jew doesn't do it. It's only faith in Jesus Christ that, that does it. And you can't work for it. You're a sinner. Cool. Yeah, and everyone's like, thanks, Paul. It sounds so great. I absolutely love it. But then in chapter five, we see a tonal shift. And in the first few chapters, it's like, okay, cool, but, you know, whatever. But then in chapter five, it starts bringing us that hope and that joy that we get this beautiful life in Christ Jesus. Chapter five wraps up the themes of the first few chapters and then introduces the new themes of the next few chapters. Chapter five kind of sets the tone for chapters five, six, seven, and eight. So for these next few chapters, this chapter sets the entire tone of what is to come. But um, let's kind of go through, you know, verses one through 11. Um, It's saying, you know, we have been made right in God's sight by faith and we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Here, Paul is describing the amazing benefits that come with being declared righteous before God and through our faith in Jesus. He provided redemption for our sins 
and has given us righteousness or made us righteous, right standing with God. And then we are led into these amazing benefits. We get like the safety and security in God with confidence. So, you know, no matter what it looks like, no matter our future, we are secured in God and he will strengthen us and that he has made peace with us. When God gave us Christ, he made peace with us. Jesus was the ultimate peace treaty, y'all. So we're no longer enemies of God, but we are allies. And not just allies, we get to become children of God. We get to be in his kingdom. And he has given us his grace, and with this grace, we get hope. But we get to confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory in his kingdom. We get to be confident. I love that word confident because I feel like, I mean, everyone's like, be confident in who you are. Be confident, be confident. And my confidence, like, honestly, like I'm the most confident I've ever been in my life. And it's because I know who I am in God. We need to make sure that we are getting our identity from God instead of from the world. Because right now the world is telling you, you can be any identity you want to be. But your identity in God is what actually is and what actually matters and how he sees you is what actually counts. That's what actually counts. When we put our faith and trust in him and what he has given and done for us, we now have peace Paul doesn't say we can have peace or will have peace, but we actually have peace. It's active. And he's like stating, you know, stating that fact here that it's active. The wrath God had against us in our sin is completely gone now. Because of this, he's saying when we, when we suffer, and we run into problems and trials, we get to rejoice. And that's kind of weird because a lot of times people are like, um, I don't want to rejoice. And he's not saying to like be happy about it because let's be real. We don't like suffering and we don't like hardship. And, and in fact, when we, when we do suffer, when we do have problems, we're actually trying to get away from it as fast as possible. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. But Paul is saying, not only can we rejoice in our suffering because we have Jesus, but we should rejoice in our sufferings because the fruit and the character that it brings is is something that will produce good in us. Once again, he's not saying, oh, you're having a problem, being like, yay, I'm so happy. Please bring on all of the problems. That's not what he's saying. But we get to stand firm with the peace and hope knowing that God is going through it too. It says as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, through the valley, not in the valley, not stuck in the valley. And I know sometimes it feels like we are stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. But he is with us as we go through the valley of the shadow of death. But We should fear no evil because he is with us. He will give us peace. 
He will give us hope in those hardships, in the suffering, in the pain. And those hardships produce good fruit in us. It produces endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And strength of character makes us confident in our hope of salvation. It produces growth in us, in our character, in our faith, in our walk with God. It, it, it pulls us closer in our relationship with God. These sufferings can bring us closer to God if we let it. It can create a deeper bond and trust in God. So once again, like I always say on here, when I'm talking to y'all, I'm also talking to me just as much. And lately, I've been struggle bussing it. I've been, I've been, you know, kind of going through some problems, kind of been going through some trials. And sometimes it really feels very discouraging. And it feels um, sometimes like there's no way out. And I feel like God is really preparing me for a big change. And, but how it's happening is not fun. How these changes are happening is, are in ways that, like, I've cried a lot. I'm super stressed out. My eye twitches all the time because I'm stressed. My back hurts. My, like, my body is, like, screaming at me, like, girl, you're stressed. You need to chill. And, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, things happening and moving in my life and changes coming. And, um, a lot of financial burdens right now. And, um, I, I, you know, it kind of feels like I'm stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. And I was talking to one of my friends and she's like, you just needed to trust God. And I said, well, sometimes I don't, sometimes I struggle with trusting him. Not like I don't trust him. Like, you know, that he's not real or anything like that. No. Like I still have a faith, but sometimes we have to be honest when we, when we struggle with trusting him. And so I do. And I have this like little mentor class group thing that I go to. And I was talking to, you know, talking to, to my leader about some, some issues I've been having in my life and people that I'm struggling with and just, you know, just all this kind of stuff. And I had mentioned that, you know, I, I struggle with trusting God. And there's certain promises that God has given me that I'm just like, I don't see how this is going to happen coming from the certain situation that you're putting me through, God. Um, but he said, you know, when we decided to do a series called Honoring God, and we just got done with this in my church, it was a great series called Honor God. He's like, we were experiencing so much trial and hardship, and it felt like it was coming at us from all of these different angles and all of this, everything. And, you know, even the pastoral team was like, what is going on? Like, why is this all happening? And yada, yada. And the Lord told him, it's growing pains. I'm, I'm making you grow. These are growing pains. And he looked at me and he said, you are being put through growing pains right now. These are growing pains, and you are just going to have to stay firm in the fact that God is helping you grow. And it's going, it might look hard, 
it might feel hard. It might feel like you're, you're suffering. He's like, but he's like, at the end of your growing pains, he's like, the Lord is going to bless you. He's like, because you have been honoring God in everything that you do, he's going to bless you. But right, what you're going through right now is growing pains. And I'm like, dude, I'm five feet. I never felt what growing pains is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's sometimes it's like, you know, I, I'm going through some growing pains right now and I just know some things are changing and it hurts and it's painful and it's sad and it's stressful. And, you know, um, I'm moving out of my apartment and I'm, I'm having, I'm moving back in with my parents because I just can't afford it right now. And finances are, are really struggling. And it's just, it's one of those things where I'm just like, God, what is going on? You know, like why, like what, what is going on? You know, but he's like, you've been faithful and you've honored God. He's like, so your blessing is coming soon. And so he's just like, continue to stand firm that he made you those promises. And he's not going to to stop being a faithful God with you. If he did it for everyone else, he will do it for you. And so even in this times of trial, my natural self wants to take over control and do it myself and to do things my way. But I'm learning to step out in faith and I'm learning to trust him that I'll go, okay, even though it doesn't look good right now, even though it doesn't feel good right now, even though this sucks, even though I cry a lot, even though I feel like I complain a lot and I just have so much going on, even in all this, I'm going to trust and have faith that you are a God who keeps his word. And so that is just something that I'm personally going through right now, personally. And it's hard. And especially when it comes to money, like especially when it comes to money. And I have quite a bit of trauma when it revolves around finances, just, you know, based on certain things um, that happened when I grew up in relationships. And so when it comes to money and money struggles, I really flip out. I really start to freak out. And so he's just telling me to have peace. He's like, have I not told you? all the promises that I'm going to bestow upon you. You just need to have faith in me and trust in me. And I know that when I come out of this, it, you know, when I, if I continue in my faith in this and standing firm on the word of the Lord, I will have developed a stronger character and I will have gotten closer to God and my relationship with God is going to have grown deeper because I went through the valley of the shadow of death, not by myself, but with my God by my side. I just needed to let that sink in for just a second. All right, and then it goes on in verse 5. It says, and this hope will not lead to a disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says that our hope will never put us to shame. Our hope means that in the end, in eternity with God, we will never be disappointed for hoping in God's eternal goodness. We can be confident in our eternal destination because God's love has been poured out for us freely and that the Holy Spirit has filled our hearts with his love. It has been poured into our hearts. 
And then in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love how it says at just the right time. Circumstances in your life will, will pan out at just the right time. Not early, not late, at the perfect time. When we were weak in our sin and our flesh, he died for us. When we had no hope, he came at the perfect time for us. And then it goes on to say that, you know, not many people would be willing to die for a good person, you know, and no regular, regular person would die for the life of another. We might die for people out there that we love, or for someone who's like a really, really good person, but ultimately like that person's death would not still be enough to give us salvation. But we, we would only die for those that we love. Maybe for like Mother Teresa. I, 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 don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? But we would re- honestly, we'd only die for those that we, that we love. We would not die for those that we hate and for those who are our enemies. Guaranteed, don't even say, oh, I would. No, you won't. No, you, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm just going to say it now. If, if I don't like you and you an enemy of mine and you were going to be on the chopping block, I'd be like, mm, swing the hammer, bro. Let the axe fall. I ain't taking that place. No way. No way would we do that. Only Jesus did that. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, separated from him, enemies against him, people who hated him, he still died for us because we have been justified by his blood. He has saved us from God's wrath and condemnation. Because of Jesus, there is no condemnation. In verse 9, it says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ Jesus, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So you don't, get to, you don't have to freak out. And I love in verse 10 where it says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. He wants, he, he, he wants to call us friend. I want to be called a friend of God. But Jesus came and he restored that through his death. And so now we get to be excited. We get to rejoice. We get to have joy in this amazing relationship because Jesus made us friends of God. Friends of God. I just can't get over that. Friends of God. That's beautiful. We get to be called friends of God. And then he kind of switches, Paul does. Not switches the tone, but then he we, we kind of see this, um, this back and forth, um, you know, comparing and contrasting Adam to Christ. And so he starts off, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, and everyone started sinning. All sin and death came through Adam, and his free will, he chose to obey Satan and not God. And when he did that, he gave Satan the reins to this world, 
and sin and death and sickness entered the world. God gave Adam dominion over the earth. He, um, God literally said, you know, you get dominion over the birds and the beasts and all of the things of the earth. And so Adam, before the fall, was, was you know, had the, had the lease on earth. But when Satan came and Adam listened to Satan and Adam sinned, he handed those reins to the earth over to, over to Satan. And so that's why we have sin and death and sickness. And so when Paul says world, he's meaning all humanity. When Adam sinned, it not only brought death and destruction and sickness and a curse, but worse, it brought separation from God. He literally snipped the umbilical cord to God that he was connected to. And then Adam and Eve immediately started to die. And then all of a sudden we see that man had a lifespan. And because of their sin, it was then passed to their children and to their heirs. And as we can see so clearly today, we are still praying. We are still paying the price for Adam's sin. And with this one sin, it seemed like all was lost. And please notice how sin is attributed to Adam and not to Eve, even though she was the one who took the first bite. But it says, um, it says in Romans, let me find the verse. It says in verse 14, still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even though, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, such as Adam did. When God said, do not eat of this tree, he gave that commandment to Adam, not to Eve. And so when Eve ate the fruit, she was deceived because the snake was like, did God really say that? And she was probably like, well, God told Adam that, but he didn't tell me that. So, you know, yeah, I'm just, I'm speculating here, okay? But when Adam saw Eve take the bite, he should have smacked that out of her hand and gone to God and said, I know what the penalty for this is, but instead of doing it to her, do it to me. But he didn't. He watched her, took a bite. She handed it to him. He knew what it was and what it did, but he still ate it anyways. That's why sin is attributed to Adam. But that is why Christ is called the second Adam is because Christ did what Adam should have done. Adam should have gone to God and said, instead of doing it to her, do it to me. But he didn't do that. So Christ decided to do that since Adam didn't. So when it seemed like all was lost, Paul continues. He goes on to say that the sin of Adam's wasn't counted because there was no law to adhere to. So when there was no law, there could be no charge put against that person's account. But people, it says, were still dying um, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. And it was to the time of Moses because that's when God gave the law is, is, was to Moses. But because there was no law, there wasn't any way to justify themselves back to God. There was no animal sacrifices then. There was no law. There was no synagogue. There was, no, there was nothing. And so God had been separated from his people and that fellowship and that friendship had been severed and God was like deeply grieved because of it and he desperately wanted that fellowship and that friendship and that relationship to be restored. So even though there was no law and 
you know, people could not be called lawbreakers, but people were still suffering the consequences of sin, which was death. But then Jesus came and there was a huge difference. Huge difference. It says in verse 15, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious, sorry, gracious gift. So, It goes on to say that, you know, like Adam was like a type. Um, it says, or it says above, it says now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. And so here he's like kind of being described as a type of Christ, which does not mean that Adam, you know, had Christ qualities, but they both had a choice to make and they both were alike in their choices. One person's choice brought death, but the, other's per, the other choice brought life. And Paul is saying that the free gift, Christ's choice to die for us, is not like Adam's sin. The free gift is Christ's death. And he rescued us from death and God's wrath and judgment. He, he freed us from all of that. I'm going to read this again because I think it really just packs the point home. It says, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful gift, God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive. It will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. That's verse 18. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but, be, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant, moving into verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I had to read that again. So if so much death came through one man, how much more life is going to be given through the perfect son of God's redemption and salvation? Through the death of Christ Jesus came life, and we no longer have to live in fear of death, and not just physical death, but spiritual death, because Christ has given us life. And it says when the law was given, it, it was only to show us how much we sin. But people didn't see it that way. They saw, oh, well, if I just do these, I don't have sin anymore. But God was like, no, I'm trying to show you how much you need me, and how much you sin, and how much you can't do it by yourself. The law only pointed out so much more just how far away from God we actually were. But then with much sin became more and more grace. Death took over because of our sin. But then Christ gave, Christ took the reins back because of his righteousness and grace and that came through so much bigger and better than any sin. And so now we don't have to fear death. 
We get to have joy in life. What Christ did is above and beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. I'm going to read verse 21 again. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to make yourself right with God than through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you do. It's never going to be enough. It is only through Christ Jesus and believing him, having faith in him and giving him your whole life that you can have salvation and have eternal life. Sin entered through Adam, but righteousness entered through Christ. Adam gave us death, but Christ gives us life. Adam gave us sickness, but Christ gives us healing. Adam gave us shame, but Christ gives us freedom. Adam gave us guilt, but Christ gave us our innocence. Adam gave us separation with God. And Jesus, through Jesus, we are declared friends of God now. How beautiful that is that God redeems the same way the sin entered. For example, one, one, you know, we just talked about this for, you know, sin entered just through Adam. So Christ redeemed just through, or God redeemed just through Christ. When Peter, who was a disciple of God, denied Christ three times, Christ redeemed him by asking him three times if he loved him. And of course, Peter said, of course I love you, Jesus. So in the very way we fall away from God, Christ will redeem us. My story is still unfolding, but I am seeing that happening in my life. In the ways that I fell away from God, he is redeeming me through continuously. And my, my story is still unfolding, but I just, I just know deep in my soul the beauty of, of his redemption through my story and how it's going to unfold. I don't know how it's going to unfold, but I know that he's going to redeem it in a crazy way. I mean, he already has, but even more so. Even more so. And he wants to do that for you. It's so beautiful, Christ's redemption. 
So how can we apply this to our life? How can we apply this scripture to our life? Know that you're free in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, I suggest you get in Christ. Like I said last week, you know, just believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. And that can look and sound in any way you want it to. Say, Lord, take my life and do something with it. If you want to pray a sinner's prayer, you are more than able to do so. But first get in Christ. And then just watch. My One of my friends, Gijay, she says, Lord, just amaze me. Blow my socks off. And he will do it. It's crazy. Just say, Lord, take my life and do something with it. And just amaze me. Just amaze me. Know and stand firm that in Christ you have no condemnation. But if you're still, if you're still kind of like you know, teetering on, on the fence, choose Christ. There was a really good story I heard once, and I can't exactly remember where I heard it or who I heard it from, but it said there was this one person and he was sitting on the fence right in between heaven and hell. Right, you know, between one side Satan was on and the other side God was on. And he just sat on the fence, not choosing a side, just kind of straddling, not just kind of straddling at one leg hung over the, the fence. And uh, Satan came up, or sorry, God came up to him and said, do you want to come over to my side? And he said, nah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm going to sit here for a little bit more. Then Satan came up and he says, do you want to, do you want to, you know, come over to my side? And he's like, nah, I'm just going to sit here a little bit more. I don't really want to choose your side. Once again, God came over and he's like, are you going to choose my side? And he's like, no, I haven't, I I don't really, I'm just going to still sit here a little bit longer. And then Satan comes over again. He's like, do you want to choose my side? And he's like, no, I don't want to choose your side. I'm just going to sit here right in the middle. And this kind of back and forth happened. And then one day Satan comes over and he just, um, he pulls the guy over to his side and the guy was like, no, 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 no. I didn't choose. I didn't choose your side. And Satan said, well, didn't you know I own the fence too? Satan owes the fence that we sit on in the middle of halfway between God and Satan because we need to fully choose God, not just sit on the fence. So choose God. Choose him. You won't be disappointed. That's for darn sure. I'm going to leave you all there with that. It's going to be a little on the shorter side of the podcast today, but I'm going to leave you with that because I think that that's a, a really good place to end. I hope you guys have a great day. If you need to get a hold of me or, you know, you can reach out to me on Facebook, on, on the Instagram, or you can email me at igstrust at gmail.com reach out to me i'd love to talk to you fellowship with you pray for you whatever you all need and if you guys ever have any suggestions on um things you want to listen to or learn about or you know whatever um just send me an email that would be great praying for y'all have a good week see you later